Welcome to MLR Kickoff, episode 26, with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. Hey folks, welcome to episode 26 of the MLR Kickoff podcast. Dan Power with you alongside Pete Steinberg. And Pete, fresh from your trip for New York for CBS Game of the Week, are we talking to the new hot dog eating champion of the world, <laughs> Pete Steinberg, the new Joey Chestnut? Well, you know, this is uh, um, the the travel tip that I'm going to give. So, um, you know, when, when you travel a lot, and especially when you travel for work, what you find is sometimes all you get to see is the um, the office, or in this case, the stadium, um, you know, the airport and the hotel. And so when, when I travel places, I try to find a moment when I can, um, uh, when I can do something for myself and have an experience that I don't normally have. So with MCU Park being on Coney Island, I decided to get down there a little bit early in the morning, um, enjoyed a walk along the boardwalk. And I'm, I'm telling you, in May, when on those nice days, it's going to be great down there. That place is going to be packed. But more importantly, right next to the stadium is um, the home of Nathan's Hot Dogs. And so I decided you can't be here without getting a Nathan's Hot Dog. So I walked in. I got a hot dog with um, cheese and bacon. And they offered me a ticket to the game. So it tells you something about um, uh, Rooney and what they're trying to do to spread the word of rugby. Did you uh, take said ticket and scalp it, get a bit of uh, beer money? I, I did not take set, skip um, ticket and scalp it. And it was, it was, you know, I have to say it was interesting being at the stadium. I think the stadium's really great. I mean, it's a great setting, uh, you know, but it's in Coney Island. And in New York, when I talk to people, you know, for most people, it's sort of an hour to get there or, you know, at the best, it's it's 30 minutes. Um, and... Uh, and on Friday night, I remember talking, I talked with Mike Tolkien and he said their opening Friday night game was just crazy because they have guys that were working, you know, taking two hours to get to the stadium. Um, and so it was, uh, it was a little nuts for everyone, but uh, I didn't scout the tickets, but I, I can see that being a pretty good setting and I can see that crowd growing um, as the, as that season progresses. Well, don't forget Pete in the halcyon days of, Coney Island, uh, it was considered a vacation for New Yorkers on Manhattan to go to Coney Island. And uh, obviously, travel back in uh, the early 1900s was a little different to how it is today. But yeah, New Yorkers will always complain about leaving the island of Manhattan. So nothing <laughs> new there. Well, let's jump into the action from the weekend, Pete. Uh, three games on tap and three interesting results, to say the least. The first one was Houston Sabercats taking on the Utah Warriors down at Houston as the Sabercats. They said goodbye to Sugarland and uh, Constellation Field in style. They got the uh, the win down there, 29-27 over the Warriors. Pete, what do you think of this one? Well, you know, it's um, it, it's been interesting because I think if you look back on the last three or four games for Houston, they've actually started all of their games well. And um, in many cases, even against some of the top teams have been leading. And that's what happened here is that they they pulled out in the first 20 minutes um, with a couple of tries and, of course, uh, Sam Windsor's boot to a 17-0 lead. And Utah was just never able to recover from that. So, I, you know, I, I, I thought it was a good opening. It, it's the, the same opening from Houston, but they lost some of their momentum. Um, and, you know, they, they continue to struggle to... Uh, 
to, to gen- Houston, the Sabercats continue to struggle, I think, to um, uh, generate some consistent offense. I think Utah, you know, were disappointing in this game. Uh, you know, they they uh, um, had a couple of opportunities that they didn't take. Um, I think that, uh, you know, that I, I, you know, after that first 20 minutes, their defense stood up, but I really think they're missing Josh Reeves. And I think one of the things that Houston did do a better job of is I think that while they didn't have the edge in possession, um, they did have the edge in territory. And I think that's because they used the kicking game more. And I think that they were able to play the game primarily in Utah's half and make Utah go a long way. Yeah, I have to agree there. Looking at some of the individual stats as well from this game, Pete, a couple of big performances on both sides of the ball. Uh, Alejandro Nieto, uh, he came away with 82 metres off 10 carries, 8.2 a carry, a busy day there for the Uruguayan number eight as he got them some front foot ball. And that's something that you spoke about uh, at length is their ability to get game line ball. And finally, they were able to do that this weekend, 67% over the game line. And they've been hovering at, at average around that 45% mark. So they finally get some front foot ball and we're able to see a little bit more creativity off the back of Sam Windsor. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think as long as they, if they can generate that front foot ball, then they've got the players that can do some damage. I think for Utah, you know, they've still got problems with their set piece. And, you know, I think it's one of the reasons why they weren't as willing to kick. Um, but, you know, you look at some of the defense stats and, you know, Houston made 209 tackles and missed 22 for a 90%, which is pretty good. I mean, that's that's good stats. But Utah only had 88 tackles and they missed 20. I mean, that's like, that's, that's just not good. And I think the... Um, I think that led to the go forward that they had. And I think they're going to have to, um, you know, Utah had a couple of good defensive performances, but now they've got to pick it up again. Yeah. And you touched on the set piece there, Pete. It was really a dominant aspect of the game for the Sabercats, in particular the scrum, as they were uh, able to take a good chunk, a third of the ball away from the Warriors at scrum time. Line out as well, probably just a little bit too predictable as they're trying to figure out always – at one one step piece, you really don't want predictability. It is a lineout um, because it's so easy to key on and watch on film. And eighty eight percent of their lineouts they went with five men in the lineout, which is very easy to read for the Sabercats there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, we're now getting to the point of um, you know the length of the season that was the first season of Major League Rugby, right? We're like. Teams have now played the number of games that they would have played in the first season. And I think there are tendencies that are now becoming true. You know, I've I've talked to all of the teams about how they do performance analysis and they all analyze the opposition. And lineouts is one of those areas that as the season goes on, it might be a little bit easier to defend than it is, you know, to win the ball because people see them. And most teams have, you know, some dominant, um, line out targets, and so if you're able to identify who those dominant line out targets are, then you can then you can take those away, right? And so um, one of the nice things I think that you see for um, Houston is that you would normally say that Matt Truvel would be their um, dominant line out target, but actually they've got um, I think five different people that won line outs. And Matt Truville only won two. Um, and I think that if you um, look at 
Utah, they threw almost all of their lineouts to Matt Jensen. So you know going into the Utah game that we're going to mark up Matt Jensen and we'll take him away and we'll throw to someone who you know isn't as good and some teams still throw to their primary target still when it's marked. So I think that's a good insight, Dan. Yep, and that was uh, good to see Houston get their second win of the season too down there. And hopefully the next time we see the Sabercats at home, it'll be at their new stadium, Aviva Stadium, which will be christened here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and moving on to the next one, next day it was New Orleans playing host to Austin Elite. And for Austin fans, oh, just so close, but uh, hearts broken at the death there with a Michael Basker try. They go down 35-31. New Orleans, they retain their spot on the top of the table. Pete, if this one, uh, this one was very open, 66 points in total, and uh, probably not a performance that Nate Osborne and his side will look back on with much fondness, but the improvement in Austin Elite continues week after week. Well, it does, although, um, you know, if you look at the first part of the game, uh, you know, I think um, Austin at one point were up 28-12, and I was watching this game, and I'm like, you know, the elite have played well, and they've played hard, but um, but that's it. You know, th- this game's over. And then, uh, you know, I think Nola may have, like, taken their foot off the gas because Austin came back and scored three tries, including, I think, uh, um, one of the uh, um, one of my most fun tries of the weekend when um, Rodrigo Silva, there was a penalty right near the line and he just put a little chip over the top um, for uh, um, uh, Romero. It was just a beautiful little chip, a little bit of inspiration as, as soon as he, um, uh, he he heard the advantage call. So, so to me, you know, I think Austin is definitely improving. And I actually talked to um, Brian Fitzgerald, the general manager of NOLA today, and he he said that, um, when the NOLA guys came off the pitch, they were like, this is a different team. And, and this is a team that shouldn't, you know, shouldn't be O and A. And I think that, I think that you're seeing that. I think there's, there's been some um, great additions. I think uh, Rodrigo Silva's um, one of them. Um, but also I think the coaching staff's doing a, a really good job. So I feel like that this was, um, uh, you know, I think that the Austin of old, when NOLA took their foot off the gas, wouldn't be able to punish them. But I think um, now the elite have the horses that if you don't play your best, um, you're going to be in trouble. Yep. And let's uh, let's just take a little look at the stats here, Pete, the individual performances. Well, we talked about death and taxes. It's uh, You can add in J.P. Eloff running for over 100 metres a game. It's almost becoming uh, the most consistent thing in Major League Rugby. He goes for 154 yet again off the back of 11 carries. Nick Feeks had another busy game, the winger. And, uh, you know, I've got to give a little shout-out to Nick Feeks. Um, he, he, tes- he messaged me over the weekend, Pete, and he's like, hey, I was listening to the podcast. How's your son doing? Is he okay? I was like, you know what? What a classy guy, you know, reaching out. And uh, so, Feeksy, yep, everything's good. Thanks for uh, reaching out. And thanks for listening, buddy. Another big game from you on the weekend. And uh, we were all talking during this game, Pete, and, you know, there was some talk about, you know, the way that they were playing Nola and – you know, as a coach at the back end of a game, once you take your foot off the gas, it's so hard to find that gas again. And Nola, they were able to do it at the end there. But I don't know how overly impressed they're going to be with that uh, 25 minutes chunk in the second half you talked about, Pete. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're uh, Nate Osborne, you are 
you know, you're like, okay, this is good. We still got the win. Um, we got the bonus point. And, and let's remember Austin got two bonus points, right? For they scored five tries. So they got um, that and then they uh, um, finished it close. Uh, but I think if you're like Osborne, you're like, we got the win, but it's also like a little bit of a good learning, right? It's one of those things where, you know, it's a story that you can tell for the rest of the season. Don't forget the Austin game. And, you know, if they're up at half time, he'll be saying, don't forget the Austin game. And so I think, I think there's a, um, there's a little bit of, of a learning there, but you know, from, from Austin, I think that there's just some, you know, like I said, I think um, uh, um, Romero and Silver as halfback partners, are doing um, really well, you know. Uh, um, <clears throat> I think it's called Mo, right? But my Mohammed um, Adam El Momin, did I get it right? Something like that. Um, that guy's just phenomenal. Abdel Monum. Abdel Monum, thank you. He is just really a phenomenal player and just a, um, a a huge impact. And you know, they they had to make their forward pack had to make a lot of tackles in that game. But, you know, I'm going to go back to their decision at the end of the game. And this is always tough, right? So uh, they had the ball. Uh, they were up. Um, they were inside their own half. And I think that they had about three minutes to go. And they kicked the ball away. Um, and it went straight down the middle. And Tim Moppin picked it up. And that's what led to the counterattack, which eventually where the ball eventually came into Basket's hands. So it's one of those really, really tough decisions that you have, which is, you know, can we hold on to the ball for three minutes? You know, are we able to do that? Are we able to pick and go? Are we able to have our forwards be able to control that? Because, you know, I, I, it, it, it wasn't a good kick. Um, it looked like the chase wasn't that strong. And, um, you know, that's, a, you know, I don't, I don't ever believe that you lose the game on a single moment. But that's certainly a moment that the Austin Elite are going to reflect on. Yeah, it's one of the biggest challenges as a player, isn't it? When you're out there and you're in that situation, you know, me personally, I want to hold on to the ball. I want to make New Orleans try to beat me, force a turnover, well, well, to make be, something happen. But, you know, to be, fair, to be fair, you're the fly half shouting, pick and go, pick and go, as you like do your hair, right? Isn't that what happens in the last three minutes? And Pete, looking at our last game of the week, game of the week on CBS Sports, it was, well, it was a top four clash, wasn't it? As the Raptors traveled out to New York to take on the Roosters in Rooney. You were there for this one. We've already talked about that. What would you take away from this game? Were Rooney that good or were Glendale not up to scratch on the day? Well, I think that it's, uh, um, first of all, I think the wind had a big impact in this game. Um, and, you know, I would say that I think, Rooney demonstrated the depth that they have by being in New York, right? So, you know, um, Mike St. Clair hasn't started, like comes on, um, starts because Will Leonard's injured, scores an incredible try, um, obviously a dynamic player. Um, on the bench, you've got Harry Bennett, quality fly half, who's a great kicker, just coming back from injury. You've got all of these, all of the depth that you see, particularly in the backs now, and I'm not sure that they have the depth in the forwards because if you remember when they lost Dylan Fawcett in particular during the ARC, they struggled. But I was really impressed with um, New York. They ground the New York forwards, just ground down Glenn, the Glendale forwards um, in uh, um, in the first half, 
And, you know, Glendale showed what they could do in the second half. Uh, you know, New York, um, James Dennis at half, you know, just before halftime got a yellow card. And then Glendale came out. Um, great move by um, uh, Dave Williams to bring Adam Malifa in inside center. That gave them two playmakers that allowed them to play sideline to sideline. And it was great to see um, Will McGee making a couple of just really great breaks and seeing him um, be able to move the ball, but just wasn't enough in the second half. Um, too many handling errors still. This is a consistent problem that goes all the way back to last year for Glendale. And, um, you know, just not able to win their lineouts. And their scrum was actually better. They had Noah Barker, um, a Canadian loosehead that came in. They still, um, you know, they were still a bit on the back foot, but they had more parity than I think some people thought coming in. Yeah, you're looking at the minutes played. It's interesting. You don't often see an entire swap at the midfield by halftime, do you? With Chad London coming off at 25 minutes, uh, I believe he picked up a knock, and then Mika Kruse off at the halftime break. Uh, obviously, uh, a forced adjustment there in this one, Pete. But, Pete, I want to get your thoughts on this. I'm not sure if you had a chance to read uh, the rundown from this game that Colton Strickler put together for Major League Rugby. There's a quote in here from Sean Davies that I'm, I'm not sure if I'm taking this the wrong way or uh, this is kind of a, a quote that, you know, if I was an opposition team, I would be putting up in my locker room to read every day. And it, it came from Davies in the post-match conference and it says, we know we are going to make the playoffs. We are going to push hard for them. We just need to take a long look in the mirror and get better from this game. That's all we can do. Now, the first line is what kind of got my back up a little bit. We know we are going to make the playoffs. Now, I'm sure if I'm San Diego or I'm Toronto or Seattle, or even New York, New Orleans, I'm kind of like, do you? Do you know that? And uh, I understand that confidence, and it's great to have it, but you'd think they'd keep that inside and – I'm just not sure if that's been taken out of context by me, but interesting coming off the back of a loss in, in particular. Yeah, I mean, I think so. This is going to be a really interesting season for for Glendale. Um, for a decade, right, they've been the class of American rugby. Uh, you know, they um, as a, you know, whether it's in the PRP um, or whether, you know, in the Division One competition, whatever it is, they've always been, um, you know, the best team. And last year, you know, it, all the way up until the last game, you can say they were the best team, right? On on the day, Seattle beat them. But I, I think you can probably say, look, Glendale were the best team. I don't know that they're the best team. And, and I, it's not clear to me that they're a top four team without solving some of the problems that they have. So they definitely need to um, sort out their um, prop situation. Uh, you know, um, they had lots of changes um, at tight head and, uh, um, you know, um, and, and at loose head, they're moving players around. They're trying to find a solution there uh, and they need a solution for their handling errors. They had 13 handling errors in this game and a couple of them, I mean, I think in the first half, you know, so even, even though Rooney were, dump, you know, were well ahead at half time, there were two chances that, um, uh Glendale had. I think one ended up being a turnover in contact and the other one ended up being a handling error. And they had a number, you know, that when they get into that red zone, they're not able to hold on to that ball. And I think, you know, I, I love the way they play. They play with great speed. They play with great width. 
but it's not clear to me that they've got the players that can actually execute that consistently. And so, you know, you might want to play like the All Blacks, but if you don't have the players that can really execute, you're going to have to tone that down just a little bit. Yeah, I agree. There's some good individual performances again from this game that we'll highlight now. And we'll start with the Raptors, DTS, Dylan Simpson, Takaro, again, outstanding. 200 meters on the back of 12 runs. Right, he scored. Yeah. Outstanding. I mean, he just scored a just amazing individual try. It was interesting. I talked to, um, you know, Mike Tolkien before the game. And, you know, Mike's comment was we don't want to kick to these guys too much because we know how dangerous they are in the back three. And one poor kick, and that ended up with him taking the ball about 75 metres and scoring just some great footwork to be able to get through the line and then some great pace to uh, outstrip the defence as they tried to cover. I think yeah. he's a real quality player. He's got a big foot. I think he's he, you're going to see more and more of him as um, as the season goes on. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a great battle of the, uh, the 15s, Ben Foden and himself, I'm sure. Uh, DTS was right up for that one. Hunker, I'm going to say this again, another great game. 16 carries for 165 metres. Uh, defended quite well uh, with 15 tackles as well. He was, um, you know, only missing one tackle on the day. Another outstanding performance from the youngster there. And then for New York, well, it was really an all-round effort uh, from those guys. I think you guys gave the player of the match to Nate Brakely. I did. Yeah, we did. And, and, and I just like a couple of things about this, I think is really interesting. Um, you know, it's uh, I, I think we we're talking about this before we started recording, but um, you know, we, we recognize Nate Brakely as the MVP on the CBS broadcast. Um, New York uh, recognized um, Mike St. Clair and then the league recognized Dylan Fawcett as player of the week. And it just tells you what a great performance this was. Um, I, I recognize Nate Brakely for, for two things that I thought were, were really stood out for me. So one is he just, he really caused so many problems for the line out. Um, it was a bit windy and and he was doing a great job defensively. You could see he's the organizer there. And I thought he did a great job um, really causing problems for the Glendale line out. And then the second thing is his work rate around the field. This was something that was mentioned to me um, by the uh, Rooney staff. And they were like, just keep an eye on this guy. And I did. And, and he had, I mean, he he's hitting so many rocks. It's 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 really nuts. Um, and uh, uh, you know, interesting guy. Got a chance to catch up with him. The data analyst for comp for um, you know for Compass. You know, he has a company that like really supports his rugby. You know, is away for five weeks and does his travel and stuff like that. So the fact that he has the the you know the engine to be that active while not being one of the full time pro players is really impressive. It was. I think he was the last of the uh, the Mohicans, the Daniel Day Lewis, in terms of the last <laughs> Eagle who wasn't playing professional rugby somewhere uh, last year. As uh, the first year of Major League Rugby took up a large number of those players who were part timers. But Pete, you did uh, mention uh, Player of the Week uh, was the Butcher, Dylan Fawcett, and I got a chance to sit down with the Irish-born USA Eagle and number two and captain for Rugby United New York. Joined now by our player of the week, none other than the man simply known as the Butcher. It's Dylan Fawcett, captain of Rugby United New York. Butch, thanks for joining us, mate. Another great performance by your guys on the weekend. Oh, thanks, Dan. Thanks, Aaron. No, it's great. I mean, <clears throat> we put in a great shift there against Glendale. They're a mighty team. And, uh, you know, we're uh, we're all still trying to get to grips with the the new uh, MCU stadium. It's a fantastic setup, you know, but... Uh, it's also still so new to us. So 
we're you know we're still uh, jumping over hurdles and uh, coming up against some obstacles, but like we're overcoming them at the moment, and like we're in a good place. So uh, it's re- it's an enjoy an enjoyable time, you know, right now as we're winning. Butch, let's talk a little bit about the game, mate, because it was a big game. Glendale and yourself both in the top four coming into this one, and uh, a lot of history too. You obviously played for Glendale last year, Johnny Quill, also with Glendale last year. How was the build-up in the week, especially for you two with that emotional attachment coming into the Raptors game? Well, Dan, like for myself and John, like we <clears throat> we couldn't let emotions get in the way. You know, it's just a, we just had to play like another game. You know, we, you can't treat any game like an easy game in the MLR. Every every team has proven themselves like there's no easy games. So we're just we just took it as another one, you know, but knew that obviously Bendale being finalist last year and, you know, uh and we 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 uh, John and myself like having that intimate insight into into the team, you know, and playing against our good mates, you know, it only only added to it. You know, so we it was really an enjoyable occasion, you know, and it was even better getting the win. Oh, I bet it was a good win too. You really did the damage there in the first half going to the break already with the bonus point. Uh, yourself, player of the week for the entire league. How has your season been personally coming into this one, um, especially with the travel that you guys faced early on? Uh, you know, not going to lie, the, the travel has definitely been a, a tough factor, you know, like uh, trying to get used to it all, especially now when I was at the ARC and we were down in South America and then, up to Seattle and, and Texas, you know, it was, it's, it's been massive mileage, you know, getting the, getting the points up anyway, but uh, you know yourself, lads, you're, you're doing the same stuff there, travelling from each game, uh, it definitely takes its toll, but, you know, it, everybody's in the same boat, so, you know, we can't use that as an excuse, you know, we've really got to, just got to keep focused and try to win the recovery every time we can, you know. Now, this week, Butch, you take on Austin, who sit at the opposite end of the table, you guys are in second, Austin in last, but they've definitely showed some improvement these last few weeks. Uh, they took Nola right to the uh, the edge there on the weekend. Have you had a chance to sit down and look at this Austin side over the last few weeks? Uh, we keep them like you know we're always watching. Like, I try to watch every game uh, most weeks uh, just to keep an eye on and keep keep my own personal notes. But uh, no, Austin like they looked fantastic against Nola there. I mean that was an epic game. You know, two fine teams there. So you know. As I said earlier, like there's no easy games. Like you've got to be up for everyone, every single one of them, because you know, especially with the bonus point system, like there's always points up for grabs. So, no matter what it is, like we've got to make sure that we put our best foot forward each week and really make sure that we get into these playoffs. You know, you talk about bonus points. That's the only thing keeping you guys out of a share of first place. Now, you and Nola, identical records. Has that been discussed much training in terms of changing that style of play you've had? in terms of securing those bonus points, not only in the wind, I know you only had one loss, but just getting over the try line a little more? Absolutely. I, I think we I think we went, we opted for points now at the start of the season, you know, definitely the first three games, uh, we opted for points and we could have gone for the corner, you know, but so, you know, we, we're, we're priding ourselves on our set piece at the moment, at the moment, and we'll do for the for the rest of the season, you know, so getting the, our, our driving mall has proven quite formidable. So, you know, we're definitely we, we we're, we're definitely confident going into that that we can kick for the corners and, and get those extra scores you know when we need them. Now New York itself a bit of a melting pot. The team has taken a very similar philosophy in their recruitment. Uh, it was said during the week that James Kennedy he he will take a New York player where he can. They want to be New York born and bred, but also a strong Irish influence. Yourself and quite a few other teammates in English as well. How is uh, how is Mike Tolkien, Keith Lansing, Tiff Faye, 
melted that together and turned you guys into the unit that uh, is seeing such success? Uh, well, you know, our success speaks for itself. You know, uh, everybody's doing a fantastic job. Again, like, we, uh, it's not easy here. A lot of us have uh, long commutes. Like, it takes me about two hours to get to training and two hours home, you know, just because you're getting a bus, uh, a subway, you know, and uh, just, you know, you're walking. Rand's Island is not the easiest to access. So you're just, you know, we take no, we take nothing for granted, you know, and and it's really, we we brought it back to our philosophy, like you know, a concrete philosophy of like just, we're, this city is not going to beat us. We're going to make sure that we put our best foot forward, and when we get the opportunities to train, we train hard. And Mike Keys and Tiff and, you know, everybody has really been pushing it, and, and especially James English as well. Like you know, he's, we're there's a really really big sense of, sense of community be, between the team, you know, and between the boys, like so. You know, we're very lucky to have the lads that we do. So hopefully that really helps us moving forward now and getting the right results. Two hours on the bus. Old Blue not letting you use the club helicopter anymore. You're not playing there? No, mate, they, they've locked it up. They're not letting, they're not letting me use it this year. Ah, oh, that's going to be tough. I do remember those, uh, those drives to New York training. Never fun. Mate, let's talk a little bit about yourself personally, your journey over here. It's a, it's a fascinating one. Most, uh, most, Fans tuning in will know you're from Ireland now, but you came over to the States to, to Life University to, to do a master's degree. How did that come about and what was the communication because uh, yourself and AJ McGinty following a very, very similar path there? Well, AJ and myself played together in school and, uh, you know, he's a good friend of mine and, and I ended up, uh, I went to Blackrock College where we went to school and I, and I ended up going back to work there in the boarding school as a, head, as a housemaster after I finished school and I was able to, get digs and everything while I was in college. So I was still working for Adge's uh, old man, Alan McGinty Sr. And he uh, kept pushing that there was an opportunity over there with Adge, you know. So it ended up doing quite well in the, the All-Ireland League. I'd made the transition to hooker. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I, I got some deal, I got some offers, but like nothing that really, you know, uh, I really felt were, were worth doing, you know. And then I I was offered this opportunity to get my master's in, uh, in Life University. And, you know, I really just saw the bigger picture, you know, I'm, I'm not going to have rugby forever so that I just get my master's now and, and have that to sit back on, if, you know, if anything happens in the future. So, I mean, I was lucky to get that. Dan, uh, Dan Payne was a big instigator on that and Colton Carriaga down at Life. And, uh, you know, I, I, owe them, I owe them a lot. It was an amazing experience and I'm, I'm very lucky to have had it. And from there, you travelled up to the Ohio Aviators in the uh, inaugural year of the pro rugby, one season with them, like everyone else. And then last year, a little bit in limbo, you were a late add to Glendale. How did that happen, mate? What was the communication between what was Rooney then and then Glendale to get you out to Colorado? Well, I had uh, I'd met Dave Williams at uh, my first camp when I, when I got called into the over to Georgia there in uh, just late 2017. And I was uh, we chatted about it. I said I expressed my interest in going to Glendale, you know, I felt like that would be the you know the best team in the league, and I wanted to play for the best to show what I could do, you know. So you know, with the with the opportunity with the exhibition league with New York, I wanted to, you know, obviously I'm in New York, my I've got my wife here, and I've built a good uh, good, good family here, you know, and good family and friends community. So I was really wanting to give the New York a go, but I I knew I had to be playing MLR to put my best foot forward for the Eagles. So like, Dave Williams gave me the opportunity and I, I'm very grateful for it. And it was, a, it was an amazing time in Glendale. Who's the more annoying teammate, Zach Fanolio or Luke Hume? No, Luke Hume, hands down. 
Hey, not even close? Not even close. <laughs> not even close. <laughs> Has he started talking with an Irish accent so he fits in a little better? <laughs> no, he's never going to lose that that Aussie grove that he is. But he's, uh, uh, he's a phenomenal character, you know. He's a very good friend of mine. But, uh, yeah, he, he definitely tests the nerves uh, in training, you know. You've got a very talented roster. I'm going to ask you for two players here. Who's the player that, outside of yourself, who's impressed you most this year? And who's the player that you think is going to be the next big thing coming out of Rooney? Well, I'll just like next big thing, just for his age, I think Marco Keeps really stepped up, you know, uh, coming over now. He showed he showed his worth in Ireland. You know, we were very lucky to get him out to New York, and uh, he's just been a great guy. But like overall, like say who, who's impressed me, I just have to say the whole the whole team. I can't I can't pick one man. Uh, our our four pack especially, you know. I mean, I I owe all my tries to the to the pack, you know, our, our just the the grit and determination, like our down to training when we're our scrummaging sessions are ten times harder than the games. You know, every every man is just really really fighting for each each position. You know, and we're we're only making each other better. So, I I'm very lucky to be in a, to be a part of such a great team and great great bunch of lads. You know, we've got the uh, the cowboy O'Keefe, the butcher Dylan Force. We've almost got the village people going here. We got the the sheriff, the policeman. The Indian, have we got some more nicknames that we can put the band together with? Nah, nah, there's, nah, there's a few out there, but I'm sure they'll, they'll pop up here and there. I won't be telling the tales out of school. All right, tell us about the butcher. Where does the butcher come from and uh, how did it stick? I will, a, a wise man just told me that there, there are, best to say, there's a, uh, ongoing mitigating uh, factors towards it back home, so I'm going to leave it at that. That sounds like sage advice. That guy who told you that sounds like a smart, very, very attractive man. You should listen to him. (laughs) All right, Butch, let's talk about June now. Obviously, finals footy is going to be forefront in your mind, and you guys have put yourself in a good position to be there. Halfway through the season, what adjustments can you make to make sure that you're playing rugby in June this year? Well, you know, again, we we spoke about, you know, the bonus points are so important, you know, and just – Making sure we stay, we stay in the game and, and giving ourselves every opportunity to score tries. Like we're proving that, you know, we just we obviously like our defense to tighten up. You know, we don't want to be conceding as many points as we have been. But uh, but I think it's it's also about the the recovery time. I think it's a uh, it's definitely tough. This league is uh, formidable. Like you you think you've got a break, and then the next thing you've got a, a bunch of six games. I think we've got we've got Austin this weekend. We've got our boy week, and then we've got straight on till the end. So. It's a, it's definitely a tough factor, but that's why it's going to be so important to get a few, maybe bring in a few more players, you know, just to try and build the the squad, just so that we have a, a bit more depth there to be able to use and to be able to make sure we get the right recovery and not to be flogging a dead horse, you know. Yeah, and injuries obviously going to play a big part in that. You lost your fly half on the weekend, Chris Martina. He's uh, stepped in there a few times already this year. Any updates on Carl uh, Marsh's uh, injury and when we can expect to see him back? I don't think he'll be back this weekend. You know, I think he's gonna. I think he still needs a few more weeks. So hopefully we'll see him back after the boy week. But uh, and I think it's the exact same with Will Leonard. He was a big loss there as well. You know, he's been he's been fantastic coming in. So hopefully he he gets back now in time after the boy week. But just as I said, it's it's tough going. You know, like uh, we've got to make sure that we look after these injuries and we get the right people in there when uh, when needed. You know. Well, Butch, appreciate your time, mate. You're one of the good ones. Never change. And I uh, look forward to catching up with you in a few weeks. I think I've got a Rooney game coming up here 
in April, I think, when you guys take on Utah out there at MCU Park. We'll go grab a grab a hot dog after the game and we can have a catch-up. Absolutely. Listen, I'll see if that helicopter there is available for you to pick you up from the airport. Oh, listen. <laughs> I, I, did, I did a lot of uh, damage to Old Blue playing for Nyack, so I don't think they're going to pick me up. I have to put on uh, – I have to shave the head and tell them I'm Luke Hume's older brother. <laughs> oh, geez. Well, don't tell them that. All right, Dan. Appreciate it. Thanks, Aaron. Dylan Fawcett, player of the week, Major League Rugby this week. What an absolute champion. Thanks for joining us, Butch. Cheers, boys. There you have it, Pete, the Butcher. Well, well a mystery to his nickname, Pete, but uh, no mystery to his outstanding performance. And, um, you know, there it, it's, it's funny because at the stadium, I bumped into two guys from Ireland that know Dylan from back there and apparently sort of like his local club, has, uh, you know, they get together and they watch the Major League Rugby games and they have like a banner up and stuff like that. But, you know, whether it's at Glendale or whether it's at, at Rooney or whether it's back in Ireland, there really is like a pretty universal respect for Dylan Fawcett, which tells you as much about him as a person as it does a rugby player. Oh, he's just a great guy, the Butch. And, you know, no surprise that uh, their only loss of the year came when he was absent out there in Seattle. So, a very important facet to that game is Fawcett. There you go. Fawcett's an important facet. I'll have to remember, write that one down and use it next time I have a Rooney game. But, Pete, let's jump into this weekend's game because uh, we have a big weekend coming up. Uh, all the teams are back on. Sorry, four games again. Sorry, not all the teams will be back on. But it kicks off uh, with the team that we uh, were just talking about there, and that is New York. This time they travel to Well, they travel not to Austin. They travel to San Antonio to play against Austin, and you're going down there for the CBS game of the week. What are your thoughts on this one? Your uh, predictions, which I'm holding on by the skin of my teeth because you won't accept Mark Stavina's tips, but that's okay. (laughs) What are your thoughts for this one, Pete? So, you know, it it, it was interesting. I think before Austin's game last week, I think if I was the Uruni coaches, I'd be thinking, you know, they've, they've got some depth. Maybe it's a chance to do some rotation but I don't think they're going to do that now. Um, the competition's too great for the top four. New York have a bye the week after. Um, they will not have Cahill Marsh back. I think that they'll see him rested for um, a couple more weeks uh, just to make sure that groin um, gets better. And so, you know, but it'll be interesting if it's Chris Mateen or if it's Harry Bennett. I mean, Harry Bennett played uh, a game for Nyack last week and then um, came off the bench and looked pretty good. So, They've got some good cover there. Um, you know, for Austin, there's still rumors about players being added. Um, you know, Romero and Silva are becoming a really good halfback pairing. Uh, you know, I think they've got, um, you know, some forwards that are really beginning to have an impact. I mean, I think this is going to be New York's game. Uh, the Toyota field in San Antonio is a great setting for rugby. I'm excited. I think this is going to be a great game. I think Austin are going to continue their growth, but I think New York are going to pull it out in the end. I think it's going to be 38-27. Sorry, 32-27, not 38. 32-27. I think it's going to be that close. Yeah, I think you're uh, spot on with uh, your guesstimations there. I think Carl Marsh is still probably two weeks away from being fit. And any other week... I would probably get some uh, some young blood tested. But looking at the other matchups too, you've got Nola Gold at Glendale Raptors, two sides in the top four right now with Rooney. But then you've got Seattle and San Diego. So Seattle sitting one place behind San Diego, two, but only a few points behind. 
if you give up a loss here on the road to Austin, it could be one you look back on come late May and really rue. So I think Rooney are going to keep the foot to the pedal, knowing that they've got to break the week after to try to recharge the batteries. I will say that Rooney, too classy, uh, even down there in San Antonio. I will say uh, Rooney will put on some points. I think Harry Bennett's going to get the start. I don't, I don't know. We'll see. I think uh, putting Matina, he's done his best work on the wing. So give Bennett the 10 and Matina back to the wing. I'll also, say- like, I think both Connor Wallace-Sims and Luke Hume aren't 100%. Connor Wallace-Sims was struggling with his hamstring at the end of the game, but that guy's a quality player. And so, they, you know, in the backs, I think they can, they can actually rotate and be okay because they've got the depth. I just don't think New York can do it in the forwards. Yeah. How did, how did Luke Hume look coming back? I know he'd had some hamstring issues early in the year. Oh, he, he looked he looked good, you know. Um, Luke continues to, you know, he's still got his high tackle penalty for jumping up and trying to, you know, grab someone around the shoulder. But um, I actually thought I actually thought he looks uh, he looks good. I don't know if he's a hundred percent, but he didn't look like he struggled. But Connor Wallace Sims by the end of the game was actually struggling. Yeah, I saw uh, one of the pitches or one of the clips come up, and he was pretty heavily taped on one of his legs there. So I will go. Uh, I'll go Rooney as well. Thirty-seven, uh, seventeen. Oh, not as much faith in uh, Austin. So let's get on to the second game. And this will be one that hopefully I'll be able to watch um, at the airport as I uh, look to fly back. And this is Toronto at the Utah Warriors. And this one is locally. Um, oh, so yes, yeah, locally at um, in, U- in Utah at KMYU. And it'll be on Game TV in um, Canada. And for those of you uh, not in Utah, you'll be able to get it on ESPN Plus, which is where I'll be watching. What do you think about this one? Well, who turns up? Is it the Utah Warriors that went down to Houston and lost? Or it's hard to say. Um, Toronto, I think Toronto. I think they're getting had them when they had that uh, comeback win against San Diego. I like the looks of them there, and they're only going to get stronger and stronger. This is their last road game, I believe. I believe this is it for them. With the finish line in sight, I don't think this road trip will be too much for them. I'll say Toronto will get it done down there. Uh, a little, little tighter than the game before. I think uh, 27-19. So, you know, I think Toronto's going to be um, each week over the next few weeks as they reintegrate the Canadian players from the ARC are going to continue to get stronger. Um, I think, you know, uh, I don't think Utah's, you know, I think, and I think Houston's good. And I think the fact that Utah really struggled with them, um, I think, is a concern. Um, I think I said this before. I think not having Josh Reeves is really um, harming Utah. I think it's uh, it's not letting them be able to have a, a strong kicking game. Um, I think this is an easy win for Toronto. Um, you know, I think Utah will defend bravely. So I think that they're going to make Toronto work. But I think this is going to be um, – I, I think Utah are going to struggle to score points. So to me, I think this is Toronto 25, Utah 10. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. All right, you're up for this one, Pete. It's uh, 9 p.m. It's on uh, Channel 9 News in uh, Glendale and uh, the rest of the world, I guess. You get on the the website there and you can watch it, 9news.com. It is the first place, Nola Gold taking on fourth place, Glendale Raptors. What do you think? Wow, this is this is a really tough one. I mean, I think this is a, uh, I think I think this is, you know, this is going to be a great game. I think these last two games are going to be really close. I think, um, 
you know, it's always hard to come to um, Glendale and play. Um, they've had some great crowds. I think it's going to be, um, you know, a nice evening game. Uh, I think the weather's supposed to be pretty good on Saturday, so I think that'll be that'll work for Nola Gold. And Nola Gold, you know, their, their scrum's okay, but it's not dominant. And you know, I think Glendale improved that. So, man, I think this is this this game is a toss-up. I think it's going to be close. Uh, I think either team is going to be able to win. Um, I think these are the two best. These are the teams that have the two best attacking structures in the league. So I think that we're going to see points, and um, I think that the uh, I think Nola Gold are going to edge it. Uh, I think their set piece is just a little bit better than Glendale. I think Glendale still have some of their handling errors. I think Nola Gold have a little bit of better execution. I mean, can I put up like a little you know asterisk and talk about whether Blewett's going to play? You want you want my retrospective draw privilege as well? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think if Tristan if I, I think if Tristan Blewett plays, I think Nola Gold wins. I think if he doesn't play, I think it's gonna be hard. So I'm 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 gonna assume um he's gonna play and I'm gonna say this is um Nola Gold thirty-eight, uh Glendale thirty-five. And now if Tristan Blewett doesn't play, give me the score. And we can edit we'll edit the one out you don't. I right. think I think without Blewett. Um, I think they lose some significant firepower, and I think Glendale win the game. Okay. I think this is Glendale's season right here. Home game against first place Nola Gold. If they don't get the win this weekend, uh, I don't know. I don't know what happens for them down well, I mean, the street. I mean, they would be out of the top four probably, right? Yep, and they'd lose control of their destiny. Right. It's still a long way to go, but um, I don't know. I, I just... I think that side is being held together at the moment and they can either galvanize and make a run at the finals or fall apart here. And I don't know the internal culture or what's happening there, but you know, that's just speaking from retrospective experience and being in similar situations. So I will go Nola on the road to get the win as well. And uh, I, I think uh, it should be, should be a pretty open game. I think the weather's been to be nice. We're expecting some snow Friday. That should be gone come Saturday night. Let's go 32-27. All right. Well, that's uh, – that's. I mean, you know, I think we're going to have to become a little bit contrarian. I don't know if that's going to happen in the last game because this is the game that you're calling. So you always have to be – you know, just so our listeners understand, you always have to be a little careful um, when you um, – you know, when you talk about the team that you're about to call, because you get to go in, you get to meet the GM, you might see the coach and the captain. So you have 8 p.m. Eastern, San Diego at Seattle, another one of the great matchups that we have um, with playoff contenders. And so uh, in Seattle, it's on Fox 5. Um, in San Diego, it's on Roots. And for the rest of us, it's on ESPN+. Plus. I will be watching this game from um, Aspen. Uh, on Sunday and looking forward to listening to you. So what do you think is going to happen? I'm just picturing you up there in your robe with a snifter of brandy on your big plush <laughs> chair with the logs on the fire. And it's uh, you, you got the TV flipped, though. It's Root Sport up in uh, Seattle and Fox 5 in San Diego. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. So you're going to have a bunch of people in Seattle on, on their Fox station just cursing Pete Steinberg <laughs> on Sunday night. No, this will be a good game, and it is tough to pick. And I'll pick a draw. Just to be safe. No, I'm just kidding. I um, 
I think Seattle's going to be too tough at home. I remember this game. You and I did it last year. And I know they're totally different squads, but this was the uh, the famous penalty try thon yeah. from Seattle. But uh, I just think Seattle's so tough to play up there. And it'll be a very, very tight game. And I can see this, uh, see this going both ways. But I think Seattle, on the back of that set piece and their back row starting to get a little healthier, a little bit more dynamic. Uh, Roland Sunyul is back. I really like what I saw from Roland two weeks ago in his time off the bench against Austin. Um, and Seattle haven't looked great in their last few uh, outings, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Pete. Uh, I think, you know, maybe uh, – I'm not going to say complacency, but maybe like those mid-season blues. And I think they'll they'll have to shake those – and they know that a good side like San Diego will help them kind of refocus and go here. So I'll say uh, tighter game on a Sunday night, uh, 25-22 Brock Staller penalty at the end to win it. So San Diego gets a bonus point out of this. Yeah, Sure, why not? So if if San Diego this is this is that's Aaron. So if San Diego gets the bonus point and Glendale doesn't get a bonus point then Glendale would be out of the top four. So that's why these games are, are becoming more and more important. So a couple of interesting things about this game. Both teams coming off a bye, right? So that's interesting. So you're looking for players to be healthy. I, I, I think that that also probably means that they're both looking for this to be a big game, which means you'll see the top players. I think, um, I think we're finally going to get to see San Diego with some of their best lineups. Um, I think some of their old guys like Paddy Ryan and Joe Peterson and get, are going to have enjoyed last weekend where they could like do some surfing and spend it on the beach. Um, you know, I have, uh, I, I agree with you. I think Seattle's tough to play at home, but I don't think their last two performances um, at home really give them the benefit of the doubt here. I don't, I think San Diego, I, I still believe that San Diego are going to be eventually. I mean, I think this is probably two of the best defensive teams um, in, in in the league. But I think with the back row that Seattle have, I think now they have, I think it's a little bit unbalanced. I think they've got some good ball runners. They've got some big tacklers, but they don't have enough fetchers. I think that lets San Diego win too much fast ball, which has happened, what happened to um, Seattle uh, um, you know, the, um, two weeks ago, and I think that San Diego going to win this, and I think I think it's going to be close, and I think it can go either way, and I think it's going to be a defensive battle. But I think you know, if you said it's Joe Peterson or Brock Staller that's going to win it with their kicking, I would I would go with Joe Peterson. That guy has missed one all year, and I think San Diego win this game, twenty seventeen. You know, same point differential, just a couple extra points there, but. Yeah, it should be tight either way. How good is Joe Peterson off the tee, by the way? Just one miss. And I want to dig through the archives and find the miss and see exactly what happened. Whether it was, you know, some probably freakish... like right in front of the posts. It's probably yeah. Like He's automatic from the sideline. I'll just like a little bit about, about this game and Joe Peterson. So one of the things that I saw in the San Diego-Glendale game is that you could see Joe Peterson on defense is playing a lot of time at fullback, which is like he's got great hands and he's got great vision. But he kicked a lot back to Glendale. And the back three of Seattle is really, if Matt Turner can be back there and they've got Tiberio and they've got Brock Staller, that's a really dynamic back three. That's not a back three that you want to be kicking to without turning them and making them run backwards. So uh, it would be interesting to see if, if, if um, Rob Hoadley sits down with Joe Peterson and says, you know, dude, 
we know you're coming to the end of your career, but you'd have to kick every one of those balls back. So that would be, you know, it's it's those to me in this in games like this, and the same with the Nola Glendale game. It's some of those tactical decisions that will be made in the practice field, um, you know, on the practice pitch and in the meeting rooms where these games will turn. Like they'll make some choices like that that can help them win or lose the game because these teams are so well matched. And you know, as a coach too, it's whoever can implement that change in the game plan best who gets the win on the night. So yeah, that one actually uh, will be an absolute cracker. I will be up there for that one. Looking forward to getting back out to Seattle. So four big games this weekend, folks. So make sure you, uh, you tune in where you can. CBS kicks us off on Friday night. Is it Friday night? Saturday. Saturday afternoon. Sorry. Yep. Just looking at that now. So I'd be so disappointed Friday night if I turned on. I didn't get to see you, Pete. But uh, that'll be on Saturday and then a smorgasbord through the rest of the day there, finishing Sunday night up in Seattle. So, folks, that wraps us up for another show. We will be back next week. And, Pete, I just want to get your thoughts on this. How about we do uh, a comparison of our mid-season 15 next week? Your best 15 against my best 15. All right, we can do that. We can do that. We can we can put that in there. Like it's the sort of thing I hate to do, but I'll do it for you, Dan. Teaser. It's called a tease. Hot take. Uh, all the lingo yeah, now that we're hot takes. Like yeah. you know, I have to admit that you know, as as um, when you know, people probably don't realize this, but when you commentate a game, you're probably doing about four or five hours of research, like watching the games from before, like you know, researching the players, looking at their backgrounds. And so you end up being very familiar. Like I watch, you know, almost all the games, but you end up being very familiar with the teams that you've called. And there are still some teams that I haven't called. So it's going to be a little tough. But, you know, the league has some pretty good statistics now. So I'll be, I'll be looking through those um, and, seeing, uh, um, and seeing what I can pull. All right. 15, mid-season 15s, we'll do it. Next week, hot take. It'll be great. I like it. All right, Pete, thanks again. Great, as always, being with you. This is Dan Powell, Pete Steinberg, Aaron Castro, our producer. Thanks for tuning in, folks. We'll be back next week. Till then.